Welcome back, everyone, to episode number two of Waiting for Daylight. And in this podcast series, I, we want to look at where God is and what God is doing in us on life's dark nights when we go through a hard time, when we go through something desperate, even a pandemic. And through this series, by the way, we're making our way through Psalm 23. And if you want a companion read during this series, I I have written a piece titled Waiting for Daylight, and we have it for all of you who are local here in the Phoenix area. We have it in our Grove Coffee Shop. Grab a a latte to go and pick up a copy. They're just, uh, the the cost of the printing is all that that it costs. So last week, we looked at verses 1 and part of verse 2. I want to pick up in verse 2 and make our way into verse 3. But I want to start with this thought. That in my opinion, God does his best work on a dark canvas. I think God does some of his best work in our lives on the dark nights of the soul. Uh, let me use a painting as, as an example. So when I was in college, we, my twin brother and I were roommates until I got married. And we we're in Southern California. And one weekend, a bunch of guys from, from college, we decided to go camping south of Tijuana on the beach in Mexico. And so, of course, on our way back, we stopped in TJ. And we went by to buy things from the vendors. Most of us picked up things like sombreros and ponchos and switchblade combs. But my twin brother, Paul, he buys a black velvet painting of Jennifer Beals. And of course we laugh at him, but then unlucky me, he hangs the thing in our dorm room. But I gotta be honest with you, everyone that walked into our room was mesmerized by this black velvet painting from Tijuana. And it was Christian college appropriate, just need to mention that. And there was something about it, this this velvet, black velvet shimmering background with this vivid paint on it. Something about the darkness in the background made the painting even more stunning and something that you wanted to look at. I think God, in a way kind of like that, uses the dark moments of life to do something good and even beautiful in us. So let's go back to Psalm 23 where we started last week, and I want to pick up in verse 2, and I'm just going to read two lines from the psalm. We read this, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul, he restores my soul. I want to remind you this morning that you have a God that no matter how hard life gets, No matter how far down we feel we have fallen, no matter how broken or broke we are, that you have a God that lifts you back up on your feet, and he can restore all things. That's one of the great promises, not just of the psalm writer David speaking the words of God, but that's a promise repeated through Scripture, repeated by Jesus Christ. In fact, if I have one of my own names for God... And I talk about him like this and write about him like this, that in my opinion, God is the restoration master. You know, there are some people that are better than others at doing restorations, aren't they? There, For example, Michelangelo, as you, you well know, back in, uh, I think it was 1508, he started painting the Sistine Chapel ceiling, doing, painting his fresco on it. 
It took him four years to get it done, laying on his back, craning his neck upwards. Four years. And it's stunning and beautiful. But then over the centuries, the painting began to fade. It began to collect dust. There was water leaking in from above, causing mildew to grow on it. So in 1980, the world, Italy looked for the world's finest, best restoration masters and put, it on, put them on it to restore it to its original beauty. 14 years later, not four years later, 14 years later, they finally finished it. I want to remind you that your God does work like that. He's a restoration ma- master that no matter how dark life becomes, no matter what happens to us today, he's a God that can come back and restore it all. I think sometimes when we're going through something hard, when we're experiencing a, pan- a pandemic like right now, we ask questions like, God, why would you allow that to happen? And maybe on this side of heaven, we can't always answer that question. But I think I can tell you what God is doing. He's doing something on the inside. I promise you that not only do we read it in Scripture, but we see it in people's lives. I've seen it my, my whole career as a pastor. I've seen God do some of his best and most stunning work on people's lives when they're going through a dark time. And I think we've seen that. Vincent van Gogh, as you know, is one of our great painters. And and in 1889, our our history's great painters, in 1889, he paints Starry Night. And I don't know how much you know about Starry Night. In fact, right now I have a copy of Starry Night right here. And I'm going to invite you to look at it with me. And, and by the way, this is a poster. It's not the original. Some of you thought it was the original, and I'm sorry to disappoint you. We actually picked this up outside of MoMA in New York. My wife had asked me a, a few years ago to take her in, but the tickets were rather expensive, so we just bought a poster outside. I thought it was fine. She's still a little salty about this. We're going to get there one day. But anyway, uh, so Vincent van Gogh. I don't know how much you know about his story, but as he became this eccentric painter, he was painting in colors and schemes that no one had painted before. And followers of Christ, people in the church, began to criticize him. In fact, people disliked, people in the church disliked his work so much, they excommunicated him. And that really scarred him deeply. Uh, some say Vincent van Gogh started to lose his mind. I don't know if that's true or not. They said maybe because when he painted, he would dip his brushes in turpentine to clean them and then clean or, or sharpen the bristles horse with his lips and the turpentine and made him start to, to, to go a little crazy. I don't know. But we do know he cut off his ear, walked down the street and gave it to a young woman and said, I have a gift for you. So anyway, his brother, though, The church rejects him. His own brother puts him in an insane asylum in St. Remy, France. And he's in this insane asylum, but he keeps painting. This is the dark night of the soul. It feels like his family has turned on him. The church has rejected him, but he keeps painting. And one night, late, late at night, in fact, he says just not long before sunrise, he goes outside of the asylum and he starts to paint what he sees in the sky. But there's a message in this painting, Starry Night. You see, if you look closely, he's painted the houses down here. And they're small. They're minuscule almost and in comparison to the, the rest of the picture. His depth perception seems to be way off. 
He even paints the church building small. And if you look at it, the windows in the church are dark. And, and, and many who, know, who knew Van Gogh and have studied his art have said the church wounded him deeply. And if you've been hurt by people in the church, I'm sorry. It shouldn't be like that. Churches like the Grove are meant to be places of healing and hope. Anyway, he's been wounded, so he paints the church windows dark. But then he paints this evergreen, huge, disproportionate in size to the church and the building and the houses below. And then he paints the swirling stars a thousand times bigger than they should be. You can see the imagery is bright and vibrant. And then he has the moon like as the brightest thing there. But, but the message seems to be that everything that God made is beautiful and huge. And compared to human things that are small and grow dark in comparison. But here's the thing. Here's the message of Van Gogh. That on the dark nights of the soul that God still is doing something good and beautiful in our lives. And maybe that's what's happening in your life right now. Right now, maybe you feel more discouraged, more down than any other time in your life. But I want you to know God is at work. I say this because from the opening pages of the Bible, it seems that God has been using a dark canvas to do something beautiful. If you think about it, on the, on the first pages of the Bible, we read about a dark, pitch dark universe. And then God starts to fill it with color and beauty. And he paints the skies the way only God can do it. And he fills this earth with color. Some people, when they see shots of the earth from space as far out as we can, as we can get, when, when, when the cameras turn back and take a picture of space, some say the earth looks like a blue sapphire. Some call the earth the jewel of the universe. And that's what God has been doing since the beginning of time is taking the dark days of our lives and doing something good and beautiful. And that's our hope right now. No matter how down or distraught you feel right now, how discouraged life may be, he has something good. The restoration master is going to do something better. So I, I, I called him when we started. I called God the, the restoration master, right? Well, as we look at this text in Psalms, I think it reminds us that he restores us in several ways. And the list could be longer, but I've chosen a couple to talk about this morning. I think the first way that God restores us is we have a God who restores our peace. Let's look back at our text here. In verse 2, we read, He leads me beside the still water, and he restores my soul. Or some versions read, he leads me beside the quiet waters, and he restores my soul. So if life feels turbulent and disordered and upside down right now, remember, you have a God that can lead you back to the quiet waters, to the still waters. I think any person that goes through something hard and difficult, we start to feel like life is upside down, like there's chaos everywhere. Nothing is normal right now. But Jesus reminds us in his words, not only David, Jesus says this. He says in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
That's his promise for peace. God restores peace when we feel like life is nothing but chaos and nothing uh, completely out of disorder. What else does he restore? I believe that God also restores what has been lost and broken. And that feels maybe impossible to you right now. If you've lost anything or anyone or life feels broken, that feels impossible. But when we read the Bible and we look at history, uh, and, and even when I look at my own life, I see that God is, is a restoration master and he can restore anything that has been lost or broken. The Old Testament writers in particular, I think, love to talk about the way God restores I'm going to read a passage from the book of Joel. If you're at home and you want to look, look with me, turn to the Old Testament. And I'm going to read from Joel chapter 2. And I'm going to set the stage here. So there's been locusts in the land. So locusts have, has overwhelmed the people of Israel. Their land is not like it. everyone was staying home. No one was going out to the store to shop. The grocery store shelves were empty. So everybody was on Zoom and FaceTime. That's what was happening. And this had ha- not happened for, for months. It had happened for years, the locusts. And then Joel says this. This is chapter 2, verse 12. Even now, Lord, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. The trees will bear fruit again. Verse 23. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains. I will repair. I'm sorry. I will repay the years the locusts have eaten. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he says the most interesting thing here. He says, if you turn to me. Then God says, if you turn back to me, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. In other words, I will give you back everything that you feel you have lost. I don't know if you've ever felt like there is a season of time, months or even years, that you feel you have wasted, that you feel you have lost, that the, that the locusts have eaten. Maybe if you're a parent, you look back now and you go, man, there were years I wasted. I was, per- I was pursuing a career and a promotion. I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. Or, or, or maybe as a spouse, there are years that you look back now and you go, wow, there are years a locust have eaten because I could have loved my husband more. I could have loved my wife more. Or, or maybe you've given in to an addiction Or something has pulled you away from God and you look back now and you go, wow, those were the years the locusts have have eaten. I want to say this, though. Have hope. Because like Joel says, there may be years that were wasted. There may be years or days that you feel the locusts have eaten. But God will give you those back. He says, if you turn to me. He uses this if then. He says, if you return to me, I will give you back the years the locusts have eaten. Not only will I give you back. He, said it may, he says it may even be better years ahead. He describes years of flourishing. So even though you feel that, that there has been a wasted years, and maybe right now you even feel like there are wasted days or you're wasting opportunities. God can make it even better. Listen to the language that he uses in verse 12. He says, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. He says, and the trees 
will bear fruit again. Wow. Have you felt like your trees have stopped bearing fruit? I'm going to tell you right now, this actually literally happened to me just about three weeks ago before the virus started. So I was busier, it felt like, than I had been in years. It it felt like I was going from morning till sunrise to sunset. And my wife stopped me on the way out one morning, and she said, Palmer, we have... We have company coming over, and you haven't trimmed the trees and the bushes for months and months. And she said, the, the neighbor next door has a landscaper there right now, and he can, she said he can come over for just a few dollars. And I was like, no, I mow my own lawn. I don't need help with that. I, you know, I, I, mow my, I mow my own lawn. She says, no, just the trees. Can he just come and trim? The trees don't look like trees anymore. They look like big, giant, out-of-control bushes. She said, you know you're too busy. I said, okay, if it's just a few dollars. So I meet this young man in the backyard, and he's, I'm told he knows how to trim trees. But, but I'm very careful about this one tree. I have a prized fruit cocktail tree. I planted it when we moved into our house. It grows one tree. When I got it, they had, they had grafted in four different fruits. I'm not making this up. It grows Mexican limes, tangelos, oranges, and my favorite are the, are the ruby red grapefruit. So I showed him the branches with fruit. I said, you don't touch those now. I said, but then we have, we have these shoots coming up. They're called suckers. I said, you can cut those off. They're just full of thorns, and they never have fruit. He said, what's a sucker? I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. So I tried to explain more closely. <laughs> and I said, and, and, and then I, I, I hurried off to work. I came back that night, and I saw this huge pile of trimmings on the side of our house. And I was like, what did he cut? And I go out there and he had cut off the one branch that had been grafted in of my favorite ruby red grapefruit. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I almost cried. I was like, no, not the ruby red grapefruit. I didn't even know what to do. And so I went and I, I looked at YouTube to, to find out how to salvage a tree that's been butchered. And and I read, if you put a little carpenter's glue on the end of where it was cut, maybe you can keep that one single ruby red branch from drying out, and it might grow again. So I went out there, and and I put some carpenter's glue on the end on everything that he cut, hoping, I'm not going to lie to you, almost praying that my ruby red grapefruit would grow. Can I tell you what happened? I checked. Every day, and then about four days later, it started to sprout little green buds, just barely showing some buds. I took a picture this morning, and I think we have it on the screen to show you. Here's three weeks of growth. And can you see it's growing up? It's on the right side there. It's going to make it. Please pray with me that we get some grapefruit in just a few months. I think it's going to happen. But that's what Isaiah says. You might feel like life has been cut off. You might feel like someone has, has cut your, your favorite tree and they burned the branches. That Things are desperate. This is the darkest thing you've been through. And some of you, I know it feels like that. Some of you have already, I know, lost a job or been put on leave or furloughed or your work hours have been reduced. And you're afraid. How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay my, my mortgage? I'm sorry. I am. But I believe, and so have faith with me. Say, God, I'm waiting for you to restore, to give me back 
what, what, the, what the locusts have eaten. And he will. He can and he will. He says, turn to me and I do that. Finally, I want to I, I leave you the, with this one last thought. And it's that our God restores joy. I said he restores peace. He restores what's been lost and broken. He's so good at restoring joy. And maybe you've lost some of your joy right now. Uh, maybe some of you are even feeling depressed. I, let's be honest. It, it, being alone is hard. And some of you have felt alone and lonely and you're down more than you've ever been in life. I'm sorry, but that we will get through this with you. Maybe some of you are discouraged because and you've lost your joy because your son, like my son, or your daughter was supposed to graduate in May, and now that's been called off. In San Diego, by the way, I'm really depressed now. No, but some of you, some of you had a high school son or daughter that was supposed to graduate. Some of you have weddings that have been postponed. Some of you had big plans for the next few months. And all of that's been put on hold. And you've been down. But God is a restorer of joy. He, he's the one that brings joy back. I said the Old Testament prophets love to write about these things. Here's what Jeremiah the prophet says. He says in Jeremiah 31, I will turn your mourning into gladness. I will give you comfort and joy instead of sorrow. How good is that? I will give you comfort and joy instead of sorrow. That's a promise from God. So hang in there with me. Keep reaching out to us and to our staff. We're here to talk to any of you at any time, not just to text or or to email back. But I wonder if in your past, as you think about the last few weeks or months, has there been a conflict that has robbed you of joy? Uh, Maybe you've lost your joy because of a financial issue. Maybe you ran up more on your credit cards than you should and you've lost your joy. Maybe a a friendship has been damaged or broken or a relationship with someone that you love has faded away and you've lost your joy because of that. I want you to know today that the, 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 the restoration master can bring that joy back into your life again. He can restore those relationships that have been broken. He can. He can, he can give you back even what you've lost. I want to end with this psalm. It's Psalm 30, and David writes this. I praise you, Lord, because you have saved me. I cried to you for help, O Lord, and you healed me. Don't forget that, especially in the time of a pandemic. I was on my way to the depths below but you restored my life. How good is that? Sing praise to the Lord, all you faithful people. Remember that the holy, what the Holy One has done and give him thanks. And then he says this, tears may flow in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Tears may flow in the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's why I keep saying in this series, keep waiting for daylight. You have a God that will bring you back. You have a God that has not abandoned you or left you. Thank you for being here with us this morning. It's so good to be with you, even though it's online. May the great hand of God be over your life. May he protect you and your family and all the ones that you love. May he heal those of you who are not well right now. Your God is with you. Thank you, everyone.